It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. It is another Buckeye Football Futures. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com along with Stephen Means, who was at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center today. This recording this Wednesday, June 2nd. Ohio State started its camp season today in just full blast. Uh, they got a couple of these every week throughout the month. It's going to be a really busy month of June, and Stephen's going to be there throughout the month of June. He's going to be other places in June. It's going to be a big recruiting month, and that's going to be a big part of what we do on BFFs. But before we get to that, we're going to finish up the series that we started a few weeks back, which is kind of breaking down each position group for the Buckeyes, where they stand with this current roster, how they got here through the recruiting process, and where they're going with the recruiting process with this roster and I think it's interesting that we finished up with defensive line because isn't it fair to say that that's what this program is known for right now like if you had to pick one position and I know quarterbacks catching up and maybe receivers catching up but I still think that nationally what what position has a reputation attached to it from Ohio State it's got to be defensive line yeah it's defensive line specifically edge obviously but defensive line more than anybody else even over cornerback because Larry Johnson has pretty much done everything you can do with defensive linemen here. He's had all Americans. He's had all big 10 guys. He's had guys be the first defensive player taken in the NFL draft, the big 10 player of the year, win every national award. He's even have a, has a Heisman trophy finalist. And we've gotten to the point where even as a 15, 16 year old, if you don't know Larry Johnson, you know who Chase Young is. And a lot of these kids will tell you, Chase Young's my favorite player. So why would I not want to come learn from the guy who made him my favorite player? I would imagine that there are few defensive ends in the NFL right now who are as looked up to as much as Chase Young is right now. I would imagine that for a lot of players, just the way he played, the dominance he played with, the, the dominance is kind of growing too. I mean, he obviously is just getting started as an NFL player. But the dominance he played with in college and – let's let's be honest like some of the just like the physical look of the guy the the style of the guy like I would think all of those things are paying dividends for Ohio State right now what are you hearing from guys along those lines obviously Chase is a freak from a physical standpoint right he's six foot five 260 pounds with a get off like that you can't teach that but I and he didn't create the strip sack people have been doing that for 
I don't know, decades. The strip sack is not a new idea, but he purposely would do it. He almost – I don't want to hit the quarterback. I want to knock the ball out. And I don't know how many defensive ends I'm – I'm not you know, an encyclopedia of defensive ends here, but I don't know how many defensive ends have that mindset of forget hitting the guy. I want the ball from him. And you see a lot of – a lot of these players, when they're rolling through a lot of these camps and they're learning some of this stuff that Larry Johnson's teaching them, that's one thing they want to learn. They want to go get after the ball and cause turnovers because that's what made Chase so great. Not the fact that he was getting sacks, but the fact that he was giving the ball back to the offense at pretty much the 50-yard line every other possession. But do you see a line between the impact that the players that he – a player like he is having or the Bosa brothers or whoever else and – what you're hearing from players when they talk about Ohio state. Yeah. There's enough variety now that the players can see themselves in different styles of defensive end. Nick Bosa, it probably isn't as much of a physical freak as Chase Young is, but Larry Johnson's developed a guy of that size and that stature. So players can look up to Nick Bosa and still see that they could be dominant from day one in the NFL. Obviously Chase and Joey Bosa, Jalen Holmes, Sam Hubbard. There's enough different styles of athlete there that there's enough there for players to look up to and that's what it boils down to it's what do you know about Larry Johnson I know he did the Bosa brothers I know he did Chase Young and I want to do that and I think I have that type of potential and so that's how they look at it more than it is about Larry Johnson it's I want to learn from the guy who turned Chase Young into Chase Young so let's keep going on defensive ends we're going to break up break up the ends and the tackles and since we're already pretty far down the list with the defensive ends we'll talk about them on this first segment of the BFF podcast. And what was we always do, uh, if you've been following along each week, is we kind of break down first how Ohio State got to this point. And this is a, a fairly tight room right now. It, it all came from the past three classes. 2018, Tyreek Smith was the number four, 34 player overall in the country, the number four defensive end. Tyler Friday, the number 93 overall player in the country, the number six defensive tackle, technically, but a guy that they very quickly moved to the outside and who has played a lot of snaps there over the last couple of years. Uh, Javante Jean-Baptiste, number 219 player overall and the number 16 outside linebacker. But again, another player who was identified almost immediately as being a defensive end at the next level is just a matter of transforming him physically and getting him there. Uh, Zach Harrison, obviously moving on to 2019. Uh, one of the only five stars on this list, number 12 overall player, number two at defensive end, Noah Potter in that same class, number 334 overall, number 23 at defensive end. And one of those guys who, I mean, you look at those numbers, I know those numbers don't jump off of a page to Ohio State fans, but if you understood how many other Big Ten programs struggle to pull in four-star guys, Noah Potter would be playing probably a lot of snaps for a lot of other Big Ten teams. And then in 2021, Jack Sawyer, a five-star, number four overall player, number three player uh, at defensive end, which tells you a little something about how strong that class is. And especially because JT Tumalau is still hanging out there as a potential target or obviously a definite target potential addition for the 2021 class. You look over that group of guys, and that's coming on the heels of, obviously, Chase Young, and the Bosa brothers in, in rapid succession, like pretty quickly before that, it's just been a, a constant um, flow of, of pretty elite defensive end talent. Like even in years where you're not getting maybe the, the best guys in the class, you know, Tyreek Smith was only ranked number four among all defensive ends in that class, but he's basically a five-star. There's other years where the guy who's ranked number 34 overall would be a five-star. You're essentially getting a, a five-star impact in every single class. I think what this room is, after you 
just laid out all those guys who will be in the room in 2021 is a solid combination of All-American high-end talent with some depth behind it that's pretty quality, as you just said with Noah Potter, would probably be starting on 10 of the 14 other Big Ten teams right now, if we're being honest here. And that's what's almost what you want your room to look like. You want the, the guy who might be a top 10 pick. That's the guy who you want to lean on. But Larry Johnson likes having depth because he likes to rotate guys if he can, if he doesn't have the high-end guy. He didn't have a Chase Young last year, but he had five options, even if they didn't always produce. Does somebody need to be an eight to 10 sack guy this year? Yes, they do. But if there is not, you're be- you have the second best thing you want is guys who are always fresh, getting pressure and, you know, getting after the quarterback. And that's what you're going to have. You've got high-end guys like Zach Harrison, who's a former five-star, who every mock draft in the world right now thinks is going to be a first-rounder. Tyreek Smith, who might have first-round talent. And then Jack Sawyer, who just might be baby Bosa as could be. But then you've also got the veterans like Tyler Friday, Noah Potter, and so on. So even in the 2021 class with a guy like, you know, Mike Hall, who will be here in, by next week, he'll be back on campus for good. That's a top 50 recruit who is an afterthought because we're thinking about Jack Sawyer, the number four player in the country. And as you mentioned, JT Tumalau, the number two player, number three player in the country. So the number 52 player in the country becomes an afterthought because of that. But that's a high-end guy as well. So, I, I mean – we talk about misses in a lot of different positions. Larry Johnson seems to never miss in recruiting. At defensive end, anyway. We can talk about defensive tackles later because yeah. I do. I, I have some interesting thoughts about where that room has gone in the past few years and where it might need to go. But as you're kind of saying, I, I wonder if the, the Chase Young example that we were talking about before where the end result of Chase Young appeals to so many players. I would think that Larry Johnson can sell – the freshman year Chase Young a lot of times, and maybe he probably has to when he's recruiting this room, because as we've talked about many times here on Buckeye Talk, Chase Young as a freshman was like this fun little fifth wheel that they had who was not yet yeah. a a it was not yet a a high impact talent. I mean he was in short bursts, but it you know, he came in as a freshman, played a role as a backup as a freshman, and then kind of exploded into what he was going to be because the talent ahead of him was so prolific and I'm, I'm wondering if that has to be kind of sold to someone like Jack Sawyer I think Jack Sawyer as we've seen from this spring he may be a little bit ahead just of that timetable just because I don't know if the guys immediately ahead of him are as good as what Chase Young had in uh, 2017 but I think you see the point I'm making that, that it, mm-hmm. the next guy who does get every time you want to bring in a five-star and they're going to look and see a pretty crowded room you can say that's okay we just need you to come here and be Chase Young as a freshman which is still pretty damn good. I think Chase Young, and really, I know we're talking about defensive linemen, but the best two players in that 2017 recruiting class, Chase Young and Jeff Okuda, had the the ideal progression of a five-star top 15 player in the country. Your freshman year, you're learning. You're learning how to do your job, whether for, def- for Chase Young, for defensive linemen, you're learning all these new pass rush moves that more times than not, you're probably not doing in high school. In high school, you were just bigger and faster than everybody, so you got sacks. Now you're learning how to actually pass rush and do all these things and learning in the school of Larry Johnson. And Larry Johnson would say that. Chase Young used to say, you're sipping the Kool-Aid. You know, you, you just poured your glass of Kool-Aid. You haven't even started drinking it yet. Then your second year in a program, year two, you start to put it on the field. So you're in the rotation. You're one of the, you're maybe a starter or a rotating guy, which until Nick Bosa got hurt, 
2018. That's what Chase Young was. He was the second best defensive end behind Nick Bosa. It was basically the reason why you can't double Nick Bosa. And then Nick Bosa go down, goes down, so he has to pretty much fast track his progression. But then in his third year, he's the man. 16 and a half sacks later, the number two pick in the draft, uh, NFL defensive rookie of the year, yada, 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 all that good stuff. That's the prototypical what you want from a five-star. Jack is probably not going to be on that because, well, there's not four other guys ahead of him who are going to keep him from in his place for at least a year. So he'll probably fast-track his development. But even Zach Harrison was on that similar type of development. He was just learning as a true freshman, maybe had a little bit of a role. Had it expanded as a sophomore, it would have probably been more in a normal season. And now here we are, junior year. Let's see where he takes off at. And so, yeah, that's what you sell to five stars. You don't necessarily sell to five stars who aren't skilled players, you know, like wide receivers and stuff that, hey, come in and start right away. That's not ideal, especially in positions where there is a physical development. There is a progress to this, but by your your freshman year, you're this, your sophomore year, you're this, your junior year, you're awesome, and then you're out the door. So yeah, Chase Young, from that standpoint, is a person they can look at and go, this is, your, this is how we want you to develop here, even if you're not 16 and a half sacks and a Heisman Trophy finalist by the time you're out of the, out of the door. So Ohio State, we know, is going to lose probably the majority of this room after the 2021 season. Now, three guys who are from the 2018 class, Tyreek Smith, Tyler Friday, Javante Jean-Baptiste, technically all of those guys could still play yet another year because last year didn't count towards eligibility. If Tyler, or I'm sorry, if Tyreek Smith has a kind of season that we think he is poised on, it would be a real surprise if he came back, obviously, for another year. We don't really think he probably has to in, as far as to enhance his NFL uh, situation. Tyler Friday and Javante Jean-Baptiste, maybe they could, especially someone like Jean-Baptiste, who was, was, as we said, had to kind of make a, a physical transformation over the course of his career. Then you got Zach Harrison, and as you said, another guy projected as a first-round pick already in a lot of the early mock drafts. And, and then Sawyer will be back. Noah Potter, we assume, will be back. So it could be only two of these six guys returning for 2021. So I guess I have – or 2022, I should say. So a couple of questions. Number one, what do you understand to be the latest with JT Tuomalau? Well, he's starting to take his visits. He'll be on Ohio State's campus on uh, June 18th, and then he'll go – here's the actual order. This weekend, we're recording this on Wednesday, June 2nd. You'll be hearing it June 3rd and all beyond. This weekend, June 4th, he'll visit Washington for that official visit. And then he'll go home because official visits have to have a trip to the school and a trip home. You can't just go all over the place with official visits. And then on June 14th, he'll go visit USC. And then on June 20th, he'll visit Oregon. June 18th, he'll visit Ohio State. And then he'll wrap it up on June 25th with Alabama. And then – He'll, he'll he'll sit down with his family. They'll discuss the trips. They'll discuss his options, do all that stuff. And at some point, he's either going to announce a commitment date and then he'll commit on that date, or he'll just put out his commitment. But two things are going to be known for sure. He's going to take those five official visits. And then right now, he's got four, six crystal balls on his, on his 247 sports page. All of them, to different degrees of confidence, are for Ohio State. Either he's going to end all these official visits and those – crystal balls for Ohio State are going to start heating up and we're going to assume, okay, he's going to be a Buckeye or they're going to start turning into Alabama logos or Oregon Duck logos or USC logos or Washington logos. But the idea is it's probably Ohio State-Alabama race at this point. So as he goes to his visits, that's our mindset. 
said is we wait till all these visits are up and then he'll go go into a decision making mode, which has always been the plan. They've just had to delay it a little bit more. Does it mean something to you that Alabama's his last visit? I, to me, no. I would. I just think it's they get to say the last word. But could could he come to Ohio State seven days later and get so blown away that now he's thinking Alabama has to do X, Y, and Z to outplay this visit? I, I don't. But I don't think his mind works that way. It's. I think his he's approaching this the same way that Emeka Abuka approached it, where he's leaving the emotion out of it. You don't wait this long to take visits when you don't know if you're ever going to be able to do it or not, just to pull the trigger on something because you were there for 48 hours. That would be very opposite from everything else he's done during this recruitment. So I think he's, it's just scheduled for the last visit. They'll get the last word. But at the end of the day, I think he's shown the maturity and the will to sit back and actually make a, a, a educated decision, not based on any emotion. So that's another possible addition for 2021. What is Ohio State doing in 2022? Right now it has no defensive line commitments at either position. What's mm -hmm. happening in 2022? Yeah, let's start with defensive end because I think that's interesting. Because now Only do defensive end right now. We'll get to tackles in a minute. Right. It, 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 that's interesting because you're at, you, now you're living in a world of, first of all, Ohio State's never had you know back-to-back five-star defensive ends in class. No, they have. They just haven't done it since Nick Bosa and Chase Young, which turned out to be pretty well. But now you're asking, not only are you going to do back-to-back -back years where you take home a five-star defensive end, but it's really three defensive ends in two classes if you add JT Tumalau into this, which probably explains where some of their offers are right now. They've offered five edge rushers, which now on 247, that's how they're qualifying these guys as edge rushers and not weak side and strong side defensive ends. Eni White is the highest ranked of all those guys, the number 39 player in the country and the number two defensive lineman in the country. And then you got guys like Kiata Jackson, Wilfredo Ibar, and Malachi Hamrick is the only one on that list who was classified as a linebacker for a long time, but it was long kind of thought that he might end up progressing into a, a defensive end because of how big he is. He's the only guy who's already committed somewhere, and that's North Carolina. And then you got Jahad Campbell, who is a New Jersey native who is playing at IMG Academy this year. He's the number 173 player. So you've got four undecided guys, all of them within the top 200. But if you're going to – if Ohio State is going to take a defensive end in this class, I would lean on maybe an Eni White, Kenyatta Jackson, or Wilfredo Ibar as being one of those three. One, one of one of those three being the guy they end up taking. Doesn't it have to take a defensive end in this class? I mean, because if if Smith and Harrison both leave, and Friday and Jim Baptiste decide not to come back, and you only have two defensive ends plus plus Tumalau if he if he able if he sign if he comes. I don't know if you have to take a high level in defensive end though. If you're talking about a situation where you've got Zach Harrison back, you know, uh, Noah Potter and you've got, and you've got guys like Darion Henry young who might just stay outside or move inside. We're not sure what's happening there because there's a 2020 class where there are guys who we think might be defensive tackles, but they might end up staying on the outside. It's, you, I don't know if we can guarantee that they need to take a, a 2022 defensive end because there are some guys who might be swing guys who are already on the roster. I saw Darion Henry Young today. He was, and of course, we'll get into this, walking around at the camp a lot of times. You see Ohio State current football players walking around helping out with drills and stuff. He looks a lot thinner than he did the last time I saw him in person back in high school. He looks a lot more like a defensive end than a defensive tackle now. So I think that will also play a role in whether or not they need to take another defensive end is what the guys on the roster look like right now. 
with the purposes of this exercise, I listed Darian Henry Young as a defensive tackle, and we're going to get yeah. to that group when we come back from the break here on Buckeye Talk. We're back on Buckeye Talk, keeping up our positional breakdown with the defensive lines. I guess wrapping up our positional breakdown with the defensive line, and we're talking defensive tackles now. We did ends on the first segment, and here's how this room came together. goes all the way back to 2017, Haskell Garrett, was the number 68 player overall and the number six defensive tackle. In 2018, Tron Vincent, the number 20 overall player and the number one defensive tackle. The only five-star defensive tackle in the country that year in Ohio State landed him. Um, and an out-of-state guy. So the, that, that theme will come back in a second. Uh, Antoine Jackson, uh, uh, the number one JUCO recruit in the country that year and the number one JUCO defensive tackle, obviously. 2019, Jaden McKenzie, 765 overall and the number 58 defensive tackle. Darren Henry Young, 154th overall, 16 defensive tackle. Jacoby Cowan, 163 overall, 17th defensive tackle. Ty Hamilton um, was listed as a defensive end coming out of high school, but 762 overall and number 33 at his position. And then in 2021, you've already mentioned Mike Hall, uh, number 52 overall and the number 10 defensive tackle. And Tyleek Williams, number 164 overall, the number 25 defensive tackle. That's a pretty stark contrast, obviously, comparing to how they get defensive end talent. Now, Here's the tricky thing about the whole five-star thing. I feel like edge rushers have a better chance of being a five-star than a defensive tackle does because the whole five-star thing is sort of based on things like the NFL draft and, and projectability and things like that. And, and edge rushers are more sought after than defensive tackles. That's not to say that there aren't defensive tackles who are five-stars. In fact, there have been several. But I, I that so I think that's part of it. But is it is it fair to say that Ohio State's defensive tackle recruiting has not been at the same level as defensive end recruiting? Without context, yeah, it, it is it is pretty 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 fair to say. Until you add in why that is, it's not always when you look at profiles coming out of high school, why they don't got have a lot of you know Teron visits per se guys who come out of high school. You're like, yep. That's a three-tech. He's going to play three-tech at the college level in a, in a four-three defense, and so we're just going to rate him as a five-star now. And it's because Larry Johnson likes to take defensive ends and turn them into defensive tackles all the time. He does. Draymond Jones is the recent, and Jay Sean Cornell are probably the two most recent versions of the two guys who came to Columbus as defensive ends, learned all those hand techniques and all the stuff that comes with it. And then you moved him inside. Both of those guys ended up getting drafted. And there are a couple guys in the 2022 class who might classify as guys who could be like that to get into that. Marvin Jones, one of those two guys, he's scheduled to take an official visit in September. So he's not a summer guy. He's putting all of his visits off into the fall. Amari Abor is a five-star defensive lineman. He is that. And, but he can play either interior or he can play on the edge. And if he ends up at Ohio State right now, he's got crystal balls Oklahoma. That looks like a type of guy who could end up starting out on the outside and moving into to the interior and being a three-tech type of guy. So there's just two guys who pop up in my head immediately. Dominic James, another guy, where it's, they might start off on the outside, they're going to move inside like, Jaco- like we all think is going to be the case with Jacoby Cohen. And so because of that, at first glance, it's, man, how come they don't get five-star defensive tackles the same way they do defensive ends? And it's like, well, because instead they take the number – 87 player in the country who's maybe the number six defensive end in the country and they just move him inside and it's just as effective but where that gets tricky a little bit is the 
difference between a three technique defensive tackle and a nose tackle. Mm -hmm. And with Tommy Togiai obviously coming here, a pretty highly recruited guy and leaving in three years, that has left a, a little bit of a gap that we don't yet know exactly how it's going to be filled. It might be Antoine Jackson. Um, it, it might be Jacoby Cowan. Again, you're talking about guys who bounced around a little bit in Jackson's case or Cowan, who was a, uh, a fine recruit, you know, like I said, number 17 among defensive tackles, but, but farther down the list, there's other names in the mix too. And then obviously, as we said, Mike Hall will be here. We just don't know how quickly he'll step up and make an impact. I just, do you think Ohio state still needs to be swimming in, in that, that, <laughs> that five-star or high four-star pool to get the kind of nose tackles on a consistent basis that they're going to need in order to win at the level they want? I, I think so. Yes. And no, I, I don't know if they're going to get the Tommy Togiai every single time. Cause I think some of those guys just might go. A lot of those guys are in sec country. You know, Walter Nolan comes to mind, the number two player in the country. He probably classifies as that uh, bear Alexander. Out of, he, he has an Ohio state offer a five-star kid out of Texas. He chose Georgia, Michael Williams out of Georgia. He's crystal ball to crystal ball to Georgia. You know, Gabriel Brown Lodindy, he'll come up for a visit, but he's crystal ball to Oklahoma. Travis Shaw, he's crystal ball to Clemson. I think those guys just might go somewhere where they're running a 3-4, right? So the, I, I don't know if you can ask them to go get the Tommy Togiai version of the nose tackle in every single class, but you can ask for a guy like Curtis Neal, who comes from the same high school as Evan Pryor does in the, in the 2021 class, the running back. But he's, he's in the 300, 327, but he is a four-star recruit who's six foot one, 290 pounds with some high upside. That's a guy that you can go after when you're looking for a specific position, but also you're playing two interior linemen. So, yes, they need to recruit nose tackles, and they probably need to find one in this class, but it doesn't look like it's going to be a five-star level guy every single recruiting class, which has never been the case. The nose, which was, is what made Tommy Togiai so important is the fact that, hey – Ohio State went and got a top 100 nose tackle. How often do they do that? Well, here's the other dynamic, too. Uh, Zach Harrison, look at the defensive ends. Let's compare defensive ends and defensive tackle. Defensive end, Zach Harrison, backyard. Jack Sawyer, backyard. They had two five-stars in back-to-back -back classes that were in the backyard. And there's some other guys coming up that uh, kind of fit that same, uh, maybe not 2022, but more 2023, right? Some, like, some high-level defensive end guys who, who could be along that same lines. Defensive tackle, here are the five-star defensive tackles. Again, 2018, Teron Vincent was the only, per the 24-7 composite, the only five-star defensive tackle in the country, and Ohio State got him. In 2019, there were four. Three of them stayed in state. And then Chris Hinton from, I believe, Georgia went to Michigan. In 2020, Brian Breesey went from, uh, I don't remember where he was from, but he went to Clemson. So, okay, just like Ohio State sometimes has, they you, you pull a chase chase young so yeah he's from oh yeah from maryland so the perfect chase young example yeah Ohio State got the maryland guy in 2017 clemson got him the number one recruit in the country in 2020 and then you got uh another two, two the next two guys all stayed in state um a kid from south carolina a kid from florida and then in mm -hmm. 2021 um leonard taylor from um my from literally from miami goes to miami mason smith from louisiana stays in louisiana and another kid uh damon payne um was from Michigan, I believe, and ended up at Alabama. Yep, in so, Alabama. Yep. So a lot of those guys just happen to be staying in state. Ohio State, I don't know if it was so much bad recruiting to kind of answer my own question before or any kind of recruiting lapse. I think they were just in a cycle where they've had some relatively um, beneficial 
geographical placement of some defensive ends recently Mm -hmm. and some and it hasn't worked out that way as much from the defensive tackle so it's a combination of the kind of guy that they like to get a defensive tackle kind of what you're saying and then also those they haven't had any like for lack of a better term gimmies like I'm not saying Zach Harrison and and uh, Jack Sawyer didn't have to be recruited but it's a little bit different than convincing uh, a Chase Young to come from Maryland now with that being said two people to keep in mind to think about one we've already been thinking about him and people are going to continue to think about him until he finally decides where he's going to school and that's JT Tumalau he was for a long time listed as a defensive tackle and then he got reclassified as a defensive end and he is still 6'4 6'5 280 pounds I mean that guy can play inside if they need him to do that and he can play outside if they need him to do that so the question there becomes what is JT Tumalau in Ohio State football's defensive scheme what, what he might be in, a, in a Alabama when they run a 3-4 might be a lot different than at a place where they're running a 4-3 cover three scheme so that's obviously still on the table because of the type of athlete he is the one guy to keep an eye on though is Kristen Miller he was on campus today for the first uh, camp but he was there taking an unofficial visit so he was working by a different set of rules and a lot of the 2023 and 2024 kids who were there, he got a chance to do an individual workout with Larry Johnson and basically go through an Ohio State practice, and he loved it. Um, look out for that story online. That kid's awesome. That kid's got a personality. He was comparing Ohio State's recruiting pitch to how Lamborghini, how Lamborghinis like pitch their their cars. How you don't really see Lamborghini commercials, but you know they're awesome. We talked to him about NIL stuff and everything. He gets it. Yeah, this kid's this is a smart kid right here. I think people are gonna really enjoy that kid if he ends up a Buckeye, the number one eighteen player in the country and number sixteen defensive tackle in the country. That's an Ohio State tally. That's a guy where borderline top one hundred recruit, you know, might actually be better than what is ranking is at least he looked at today he looks a little bit more mobile for a guy who I think he tested out at about 6'4 6'5 300 pounds what was moving it like a guy who was more like 270 pounds that's a guy that Ohio State fans should keep an eye on because he came up here on an unofficial visit and he's scheduled to be back up here on June 25th for an official visit this is another Georgia guy right this is another Georgia guy he's crystal ball to Georgia right now but those have existed for a while and they've clearly cooled off at this point and we in some situations the order of visits matters and he got asked today just point blank is there significance in you wanting to make this unofficial visit first before you started their official visits and he said yeah there was a lot of things that i wanted to see today and there's going to be a lot more i want to see in june 25th when i come back here but i learned a lot about ohio state that's you know move them up and whatever whatever his order is ohio state's creeping up to the top how big of a priority do you feel like defensive tackle is for this class? I think we, I can remember where we ranked it when we did that a couple of months ago, but I think we both ranked it fairly high as far as just be, because with Togiai leaving with Haskell Garrett, presumably leaving after, I mean, he would have to leave after this year with uh, Antoine Jackson, probably cycling through there, there wasn't really like that obvious high impact guy waiting in the wings. So it seems like it would have to still be a, something that they really need to address with again five star that, that's a tough thing to like predict I, I hate throwing five star out there but you do need to go find like an impact guy as opposed to just finding depth for this room right now yeah I would still have it high I think we had it in maybe top three top four positions 
it might be number one on defense for 2022, just given how some other, obviously, yeah, you probably need to, you know, safety is probably number one. Let me scratch that. Wow. Single high safety is number one and that will be number one all summer. But I think of the positions where you probably can't necessarily completely put a name on like, Oh, this is the guy who's going to fill it at single high safety. There are names where we can go, they need a guy. And I think this is the guy that's going to fill it. He just needs to get on campus real quick. The cornerback recruits have come along here, even if they maybe are a little bit more lower rated. And there's some other guys in the wings. Defensive tackle, I think, is the one where it's really high on the list and you haven't shortened the list of guys who might fill it, who might end up being the name you write in there. There's, I just rattled off four, five, six, seven different names that might fill it into that spot. And so because of that, it's still got to be pretty high because you don't know who it is and you're not ready to dwindle your list down of who might end up being the guy who puts his name on that commitment. So that's what's going on as far as the defensive line for recruiting for 2022 and 2023. We're going to come back from this break. Steven was at the first Ohio state camp of the summer. He's going to tell us what that was all about, what he saw, what he heard, who he talked to. You're listening to Buckeye talk. All right, Stephen, you were at summer camp today. I was. You came back from summer camp, and you're going back tomorrow. Ohio State uh, running camps two a week, all month, um, in addition to all the other stuff that's going on as far as recruiting. It's going to be just a, a crazy month. I wasn't there today, so kind of take me through. You get to the Woody. What's going on? Like, where do you go? Take, take us just kind of a quick tour of how you kind of go about the day um, and, and what's going on at all of the in the various stations, or 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 how how you're how you're taking in what's happening at these camps? Yeah, it's actually a lot less chaotic, but it, than it would normally be in a completely normal world because it's less people and it's a little bit more. I don't want to say organized as the world, but it's just easier to kind of maneuver around who's where and who's doing what, especially when you're going in there with an idea of who you actually want to watch and who the important kids are and who are not because at the end of the day you're right this is summer camp which means there's a wide variety of athletes there's kids whose parents sign them up where it's like they're clearly not Ohio State targets but they're just here to get some good coaching and then there are the kids who are here because Ohio State coaches said hey you need to get your butt up to one of these camps so we can see you and you can tell who is who one just because you know what an Ohio State football player looks like at this point I think Everybody knows what an Ohio State football player looks like, even if they are 17 years old, but then also who the coaches are focused on. Um, so from that standpoint, the quarterback – during the morning session, everybody's inside. You've got basically the offensive line on one side of the 50 and defensive line on the other side of the 50, and you're just hearing Greg Shadrawa and Larry Johnson yell at everybody through drills, and it's awesome because, one, no mask. They were optional. So it was really normal in there. We're all just walking around. There's football players walking around, helping around with the drills. Uh, I told Paris Johnson he needs to pick a profession because he's not allowed to be better than everybody at everything. He's a journalist. He's a five-star future first-round offensive tackle. And apparently he's a pretty good offensive line coach as well because he was coaching guys up just as much as Craig, Greg Sudrawa was. And then in the afternoon you get the skill guys, the wide receivers, the linebackers, the running backs, the, the, the quarterbacks. You saw Ryan Dan, his element, being around the quarterbacks. You got to see what – 
Corey Dennis kind of looks like as a quarterback's coach. He's actually pretty vo vocal. You saw C.J. Stroud and Kyle McCord walking around helping out. No Jack Miller, though. You can read into that as much as you want to or not read into it as much as you want to. You saw Brian Hartline, Keenan Bailey. You got to see Parker Fleming doing a little bit of coaching. So he's, like, helping out with the secondary. But also there were some um, special teams guys there as well. You got to see Matt Barnes as a coach. So it's pretty much a free-for-all, and you're walking around, you're seeing who the coaches are paying more attention to and who they're not, and then once the session ends, comes the fun part of waiting around as coaches take certain guys into the locker room, into coaches' offices, and a lot of times they'll come back out, they'll either have an offer or they don't, and they'll announce it, and then you get to ask them and talk to them about it. So tell us about those quarterbacks. Who was there today that caught your eye, and uh, what did you see? Yeah, so th there's two that I got offers today of maybe a list of four or five or six guys who are probably in the hunt to be Ohio State targets in this class. Obviously, everybody in the 223 class wants to ask about Arch Manning and what's going on with that situation. Look, I mean, he's the best quarterback in the class. Ohio State's got five stars on the roster and stuff like that. We'll see how that plays out. But the guys to pay attention to, the first one is Nico Iamalavia. Um, he is from California, Warren High School, the number 50 player, the number five quarterback in the country. He's 6'5", 195, and he looked every bit at 6'5", 195, especially that 195 part. Long, lanky, strong-arm quarterback. Everything about him screams, yeah, he's going to have to put some weight on as soon as he gets to whatever school he wants to go to. DJ Uyungleye's father was um, – was helping us with accompanying him and his own father around on the thing, which was pretty interesting and also pretty funny because on this, on the jumbotron within the Woody outside on the indoor, they're usually playing stuff. They played the Ohio state Clemson game all day, like just on a, on a, on a loop all day long. And it was, it was always funny because it got to the point where I've seen this game so many times, but I think I've seen it more in this six hour window that I've been inside of the Woody than I've ever watched on my own. And you start reliving stuff, but they just had that on a constant loop. They re-renovated some stuff in the Woody. So they've got the banner up from the Big Ten Championship game, from the Sugar Bowl. Uh, no, nothing from the Bama National Championship game, though, because nobody wants to relive that ever again. But, yeah, that's one of the quarterbacks to keep an eye on. He did get an offer today. Eli Holson out of Louisiana, the number 124 player, number seven quarterback. quarterback. He had a pretty good day as well, and he ended up leaving with an offer. Another guy to keep an eye on who's probably going to be a top 100 kid and looks to party 6'3", 212. So he's already a put-together quarterback. Just he looks more college-ready than Nico did, and that's just from a physical standpoint. And then another, another guy to keep an eye on who was not there today, but he was supposed to show up at a Detroit, Michigan, the number 14 player, the number three quarterback, five-star Dante Moore, which means he'll probably get down to one of these day camps coming up really, really soon. So those are the, just some of the quarterbacks who people should keep an eye on and a lot of others who are expected to be at camps in the next couple of weeks here. You were texting about all this today, by the way. I should mention that. 614-350-3315. In addition to the Hey Steven texts that you're doing about recruiting, and, and Doug and I are doing them about other things going on with the team, but in addition to those texts, you're also telling us what you saw. And you, you explained a lot of this quarterback stuff there or, or got into a little bit of the quarterback stuff um, today. You got into the Kristen Miller stuff that we talked about earlier Tell us what your read is on um, the Arch Manning situation, because that's as long as we're talking about 2023 quarterbacks, that name's going to keep coming up. I'm just, I, I think I'm just going to speak like honestly, real quick. I highly doubt he comes north, north of the Mason Dixie line. It just, 
this just doesn't seem like the Manning way to do that unless they get drafted to a team that makes them have to do that. But it seems uh, – let's just think – but that's just from a Manning standpoint. But let's think about it like this. Ohio State went and got two quarterbacks in 2020. And then they went and got a five-star in 2021. And then we're, we got a prodigy in 2022. At least that's how everybody likes to talk about them. I understand the idea of wanting to go get the best possible quarterback in every class. But at some point, that decision is not going to be made by you. It's going to be made by the quarterback who decides to look at a room and go, it's not, a, it's not about him not wanting to compete. It's just there are some rooms that are less crowded, and it's a little, you know, it's an easier path to the field. So if Ohio State's going to have – either Kyle McCord for three years, Quinn Ewers for three years, or Quinn Ewers for two years and C.J. Stroud or Jack Miller for two years, or whatever combination it is. And Arch Miller sees, okay, Clemson, there's an opening right here where I can just take over the job, or Alabama, or LSU, or Oklahoma, or anywhere else, that's Georgia, wherever else you want to throw out there. A five-star is eventually going to take that route. It's not, and it's nothing against Ryan Day or Ohio State, or it's not about whether Ohio State is still producing quarterbacks at a high rate. It's just sometimes it's not worth going into a crowded room if you don't have to. And Arch Manning is the best quarterback in that class, and he doesn't have to come out here and try to beat out Quinn Ewers when there are some other places where he doesn't have to beat out anybody to get the job and be just as good there as he would be at Ohio State. Yeah, that always seemed like a bit of a stretch. And as we talked before, there – at some point there was going to have to be a pause in this like Mm -hmm. hyper quarterback recruiting. And I'm not saying that Ohio State won't keep in touch with Arch Manning. I would just say I'm highly skeptical that ends up being his final destination, unless something else changes as far as the dynamics of that room. Um, And that doesn't seem to be on the horizon, but I guess we will obviously see about that before we go. Some other offers went out today, catch us up on who those were and we'll, we'll, it's obviously going to be another week before we do another BFF. So we're going to have to kind of do a, a recap for at the end of next week to kind of how things have gone but mm-hmm. in the past week. But we'll get it started this week. Uh, the offers that went out and I guess why, how those offers result from these camps and why they're important. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll start with the 2022 class. Another guy got offered, Kenneth Grant, defensive lineman out of Indiana. He's a three-star right now who's obviously, from a physical standpoint, still developing into a pro- – it's probably a guy that Ohio State's looking at to get in early on um, out of Indiana. So he also got an offer. And then heading into the 2023 class, Kyan Lee, who was kind of here on an unofficial visit already, so it's not really a surprise that he got an offer a top 100 cornerback in the class of 2023, same high school in Georgia and Cedar Grove High School as Kristen Miller. That's no surprise that he ended up getting an offer. Those two, uh, the, neither, the, the Kyan Lee one wasn't surprising. The Kenneth Grant one was pretty interesting, though. And then as of lately, as we're recording this podcast, this is one that is not a surprise either, but, you know, it's just for the sake of saying it's cornerback, 2023 cornerback, Christian Gray, another top 100 talent who is also kind of here on an unofficial visit but also here for the camp type of situation. So there's different ways that offers go out. You get the Christian Grays of the world where it's pretty obvious that they're here for more than just a camp. This isn't the first contact that he's had with Ohio State. There's a built-in relationship. Sonny Styles also was there, and I'll use him as an example as well. There's already a relationship there. So them being on campus is more about seeing them in person, which matters, you know, because you want to see how these kids are physically developing to see if they're still on the track that you project them to be at for the position you want them to play when they, if, they get, if they do commit to you. Christian Gray falls into that line. So he's, it's not a surprise that he got an offer. That's a situation where – 
the world's opening back up. It's not just a phone and Zoom relationship anymore. Let's see him. Let's see how he's grown from the last time we've seen him, and then we'll give him the offer. But then you've got guys like Kenneth Grant who maybe come in off the cuff and just have a really good camp day, and you just offer the kid. Because right, regardless of how well or didn't how well he performed in that camp, he did something in that camp that 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 kind of impressed you. It made you feel like, okay, this guy needs to be a target. Let's get the offer out there now and let's start to build that relationship. So it's just different ways that offers go out. There's unexpected offers and then there's expected offers. Gray's an expected offer. Uh, Kyan Lee is an expected offer. Grant's probably more of a. I don't know if he woke up this morning thinking he was going to get an Ohio State offer, but now he's got one. Well, that's the kind of intel Stephen will be sending to your phone throughout the month of June, 614-350-3315. If you haven't tried the text, now's a fantastic time to get that two-week free trial because you'll get to just have that intel sprinkled in throughout the next couple of weeks. You get a two-week window to see if you want to pay $399 a month for it after that. We really appreciate all of you who have. We appreciate all of you who keep coming back each week to listen to Buckeye Talk and to the Buckeye football futures in particular. So for Nathan Baird, or I'm Nathan Baird, for Stephen Means, that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.